Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. Yet another fantastic LinkedIn introduction for me. Um, Today, I have Daniel Felt on the Your Stories Don't Define You podcast, and I'm so eager to hear his stories about the business that he recently started and um, how it's going and why it mattered to him to start this. So Daniel, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with me on my show. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I always start with a question to put your stories into context, a a larger view of who you are, because I feel like a lot of times when we dive right into conversation, people don't really know who you are in a way that um, they can see the complexity of, Mm -hmm. of our humanity. So I'm assuming you have something to share about yourself that most people might not know about you. Yeah, I would say um, it might seem like a like a, a sad start, but it's actually a positive. Um, a positive. I, I come from a really, very large family. I'm one of six kids, but um, the, I had an older brother that was born before me who s- sadly passed away in a car accident when he was 18 years old. Uh, and most people don't know this, but when I was born years later, I was like a band aid or healing for my family from that tragedy and from the way I was raised and, and I feel like I was hugged extra and loved extra. I think it really gave me a lot of confidence to get me where I'm at today. And, uh, just a very interesting upbringing. My parents, you know, I was born in the eighties. So when I was born, we got a video camera to capture all the stuff. There's just a lot of things that I feel like I was, I'll, I'll say humbly, I think I was spoiled extra. And, uh, but I think it really helped define who I am today. Oh, wow. Daniel, thank you for sharing that. I just got a little chill up my spine thinking about, um, I wouldn't call it a band-aid. I would call it um, evidence of life. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I, I had this discussion with uh, um, Stephen Magling on my podcast a few years back. He was one of my early interviews and he was talking about how frustrated he used to get when he'd get home and his wife would have left crumbs on the counter and the coffee cups out and dishes in the dishwasher it would just drive him crazy. But after she was diagnosed with breast cancer and in the middle of treatment, and he'd come home and the house was clean because she would be at the hospital or you know whatever, um, he said he actually appreciated coming home to crumbs on the counter after a while yeah. as, as evidence For that sure. she was a survivor. And I think about that with my kids too, now that they're out of the house. I, I don't really miss picking up dirty socks from wedged in the couch cushions, <laughs> but it is, it was evidence, you know, of their being there, of being part of that family and the environment. So 
sure. I love that you just shared that story. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So extra loved, mm-hmm. extra loved. So you're the youngest of six. No, so I'm so I'm right in the middle. It's uh, two girls, oh. two boys, and there's two more girls below us. So my brother and I are smack dab right in the middle of all the, of all the ladies in our family. Wow, but you were the first that was born after the death of the oldest. Yes, yep, correct. Oh wow, uh, that totally puts a completely different spin on what I was imagining. Yeah, I was. And it, <laughs> it's so interesting looking at fi- family dynamics because almost all of my siblings are two years apart, except for my brother and I. There's a four and a half year gap. And so there's tendencies that I have that I'm willing to be part of the group and follow along and, and not be a leader. But then because my older brother was gone for four and a half years while I was there, I also have a lot of tendencies that usually an older sibling has. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting mix because sometimes when people meet me and some people are really dive deep into like they think your birth order defines extremely <laughs> they'll they, they, they can't quite figure it out. And I think that's why is because of that age gap mm-hmm. and being part of a large family. I have some very strong leadership tendencies where I can't turn off, but I also am willing to follow directions and and be part of a team as well. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, they do say that if it's more than five years, which four and a half was pretty close, mm-hmm. that you do tend to act like an, an only child for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Until the next one is born, of course. Yeah. Wow. So that totally makes sense for your formative years, two years before your next sibling was born, your younger brother. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, you know, I do think that there is something to be said about birth order because there's so many similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love to look at it in uh, juxtaposition to strengths finder results. Yes. So I put them next to each other and kind of, I can definitely see some interesting patterns there and how those strengths show up among middle children versus firstborn youngest. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. So Tell me, well, first of all, why don't you introduce your company? Tell us, tell your, our listeners what it is that Cura Home does. Yeah. So we offer two services. The one is really simple. It's, it's one-time air duct cleaning, very simple business that I'm sure there's air duct cleaning in everyone's neighborhood. Uh, but the, the really cool part of our business is our routine maintenance subscription. And what we do, we visit our clients' homes. It's typically once every three months or once a season. And we offer about 35 services doing everything you're supposed to be doing as a perfect homeowner, but no one does to follow manufacturers' uh, recommendations. So from providing and changing your filters, cleaning your dryer vent, AC unit, we even change smoke alarm batteries for people. So we're it's like a janitor coming to your home and we just take care of all the annoying routine maintenance tasks that people neglect. Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize that when I looked at the website that that didn't occur to me. So it's, it, it started basically as air duct cleaning. Actually, uh, switch it. We started as routine maintenance and we actually started off as monthly visits, but only 11 people signed on in the first six months. And that was not going to pay the bills. And so fortunately, you know, talked to a lot of people and asked a lot of questions and it was recommended to me to switch to quarterly. And so we just changed that one word in our marketing and a ton of people signed on then from that. But because we offer air duct cleaning, we had, or because we offer dryer vent cleaning as one of those services, people associate dryer vent cleaning with air duct cleaning. And so we added air duct cleaning. And, and what's really crazy is that today, six years later, air duct cleaning is roughly 50% of our business. Wow. Well, that makes sense to me because that's the stuff that every fall when the, the, the boiler comes on or the heat comes on and it pushes that dusty air through your vents. Yes. I know. We have a house built in 1890. 
and forced air heat from the basement. And yeah. man, is that dusty. And then we turn on the air in the summer because it brings the cool air from the basement up into our 1890s brick home. Yeah. But every, you know, every time that comes on after having been turned off, I wish that I had had them cleaned out. <laughs> I don't think we've ever done it in exactly. the 20 years in our house. Yeah, we get a lot of really good stuff out of your house. Any house that's been like, we always say like something new, right? Like a new home, new baby, new furnace, new construction project. That's what people are talking about all the time when they call us. But if it's been more than like four or five years, we'll get a lot of really good stuff out of your air ducts for sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> do you also do chimney cleaning? I'm, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we do not at this time. It's I've thought about it many times, but I, I, I'm not willing to do it myself. It's such a dirty job that I haven't asked uh, my team members to do it. <laughs> but no, we haven't. It's not as common in the Minneapolis area. Chimney cleaning is not as sought out um, as some of the other services. Right, which totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> no, actually, it doesn't make sense because you would think in a cold environment like that, people would be using their fireplaces, but that's beside the point. Let's talk stories. Now that now that we, I understand your business, because I'm I was curious about that, and I didn't feel like I could ask the appropriate and um, insightful questions without knowing a little bit more. You were at a different company that did similar things before. And what was that? Yep. I was actually, it's actually my brother's company. Um, and I will start with an asterisk and say that we are still very, very good friends. And, oh, good. <laughs> and the Christmas dinner is very peaceful. So he's one of my closest friends, but he, he also offers home services. However, there, um, the difference is that he does window cleaning and holiday lights. So we don't offer the same services, but we are in the same genre of business of servicing our clients. Oh, Okay. So you worked for him and you noticed there was a need for yeah. different kinds of services. Tell me about that. For sure. He runs a very successful uh, company. And with that, window cleaning and holiday lights, you're typically in a higher end home. So I was a general manager of his company. And just in having conversations with his clients, there was definitely a, a typical conversation along the lines of like, who do you recommend for this? Or who can do that? And I actually remember one homeowner saying it was uh, very specific. I just wish I could find someone to pay to do this. That was a very common. Hello. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we we were talking and, and he actually, my brother had partnered with someone who was doing property management. So it was it was quite costly, but they would just completely manage your home. And, and their target market was like professional athletes. You for sure had to be very, very very, you're, you're like the 1% of the 1%, very high end. And I recommended to them, why don't we get rid of all that fluff that barely anyone wants? And we do something that every single home in the Twin Cities market needs. And they thought it was, it, it would not be a good idea. It would not fit in. And I came back a month later and I actually had a business plan written up. I'm like, you guys, look, this is going to be awesome. And this is what everyone needs. I've talked to a bunch of people and they're like, nope, that will not work. We are not doing that. And I just couldn't drop it. It's just kind of stayed in the back of my mind for a very long time and for months. And so um, in uh, that late spring, I gave my, told my brother that, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go out. I gotta start this myself. I gotta take the risk. And I gave him, you know, several months notice and, and I left a few months later. Wow. Your entrepreneurial mind was like, somebody just said, they want to pay somebody to do this. Yes, <laughs> How, what piece are we missing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When people like pull out their paycheck or their uh, checkbook, excuse me. And they're like, Hey, like, can, can someone just do this for me? Right. Like there's definitely right. a need for that. So it's, 
Um, the, the difficult part is educating people on what we do. We're a very niche business and mm-hmm. barely anyone Googles. There's roughly 4 million people in Minneapolis and there's less than 20 searches a month on Google for routine home maintenance. So um, it's very tricky to educate your clientele on uh, the service exists. That is so interesting. I, I love this this moment in your your aha. Like somebody just took out a checkbook and asked to pay for the service that is um, a service that everybody needs at some point in their yeah. home ownership and probably more regularly than they know. And um, they don't notice until they notice that there's a problem. Right. But it's just like having your lawn aerated or um, you know the, the typical stuff that you don't really want to pay anybody to do, but you can do it anyway. What gave you the idea? What was the moment where you're like, oh, these people also need their um, the other home maintenance other than air duct cleaning? Or did it start as the full thing? Yeah, so it started for us as as just routine maintenance service. And then it as people were actually asking to have their air ducts cleaned as well. And I and I didn't do it. I, you know, my initial thought process was, well, air duct cleaning, you know, that seemed like it's actually a sketchy industry. And I think most people, if you think of it, you hear about the bait and switch and you've seen like the 60 minutes documents on it, right? Unfortunately, in every industry, there are people that go out and maybe it's low price in, high price out or a bait and switch of some sort. So I found a gentleman that I was referring. And at this point in my business, it, there was a week in uh, the middle of 2017 where I referred five jobs to him in one week. And I was writing the numbers and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm referring more work to him than I'm actually doing myself. You know, this is, you know, we're starting up. So I'm like, I gotta look into this. And so I uh, I did a bunch of research. I bought an air duct cleaning machine and it was a complete piece of junk. It did not do a good job. And so um, for me, you know, growing up on a farm and, and just being, you know, that there's always a better way to do something. I did a bunch of research and we ended up now we buy equipment from about 11 different um, manufacturers to get the equipment that equipment that we need to clean air ducts properly. So you basically create a Frankenstein air duct cleaner. Exactly. That's exactly what we did. Yep. To make sure that they're, you're doing it right and well yep. and effectively. Mm-hmm. For sure. Wow. That's so cool. What? I'm just so curious about, I, obviously I, I'm figuring out a little bit about how your brain works, you yeah. know, jumping from one thing to the next. I'm kind of going through my head about what your strengths are in strengths finder, because that's like my go-to like, okay, clearly he has this and this and achiever is way up there. And, um, have you always been the kind of person that when you see a problem that needs to be solved, you start by diving in with research and then you come up with a plan? Yeah, most definitely. I, I think my mindset on it is that you're the more you research, right? The more confident you are on this, on this problem. And I think, you know, some people will say, oh, that was like such a huge risk for you, Daniel. And like, I can't believe you did that. And like, when you really get into the details, you dive super deep. I was, I was set up for, I felt, I feel like I couldn't fail. I, I was renting out my basement that covered two thirds of my mortgage. I was uh, boarding and training dogs on the side, arguably passive income. And between those two, all things were taken care of. Like I could have lived off of just that and Kira home could have, you know, broke even for years. And because I was at time, right, you're a bachelor, you can live off of ramen noodles for quite a while. And oh, I did that. <laughs> yeah. So I had all these things set up so that I could succeed. And I also took a reverse equity line out against my house before I started the company. So I had all these things. I had a base 
that, hey, you can go out and do this. And my thought was I can always go back to, I could always apply. Like, I hope that my brother would have been willing to take me back. (laughs) So I had all these things that you do a ton of research you find out like how much money does it take to start a business, right? I financed the vehicle. I took that reverse equity line out against my house and I felt ready to do it. I didn't just, you know, be like, Hey, I'm, I didn't, I didn't just walk in and quit my job and be like, okay, now what do I do? I always do a ton of research and, and doing all that research allows you to confidently make decisions based on education. That's really interesting. It's, it's kind of the opposite of how I do things. So you may think that this is, I'm not kidding. <laughs> my husband would agree, <laughs> but I think you're underestimating I think you're underestimating how you made this happen. I mean, in some ways you totally get it, but in other ways you're like, well, wouldn't everybody do this? Doesn't everybody do things this way? And I'm here to tell you, no, they don't. Um, And it's not, there's no judgment here either way. I know that what I've done has been pretty successful so far. And I didn't just dive in without having evidence that people would pay me to do what I do. Right. At the same time, I did not do what you have done. And it's just so impressive from the outside looking in and it, your brother, did he start the other company or was it a franchise from something else? He started his old company. He, he started his as well. So definitely okay, family, yeah. family of entrepreneurs. And is he your other middle brother? Um, yeah, he's my older brother. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So you have the two boys and four girls. There's yep. Just us two boys. And then we have four sisters. Okay. I was trying to imagine, I was thinking the two youngest were girls, two middle were boys, but that's not right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I have to have a visual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, if you, uh, my, my family, you almost have to draw a tree to like really get it. So we, we'd have to have a whiteboard conversation to really understand <laughs> how dynamic it is. And Christmas is just crazy at our, at our house. So it's, if, if you don't quite get it without a whiteboard, I, I completely understand <laughs> Well, my husband is the oldest of five and his dad was the middle of eight. So yeah, really big families and I'm the middle of three. So it's not like it was a super small family either, but yeah, the dynamics really shifted when you described the death of your oldest brother. And then when you came along and then having more siblings after that. So yeah, and I I do think it's important to get this context, to have this image of where you are in the family and your siblings because they do create your identity mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And the stories that they tell about us in front of us contribute to our identity. For sure. So at this all for better and for worse, you know, one way or another. So Kira, what is that? Is that um, a name you came up with? How? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, uh, I kind of invented it. I'll say I was, um, searching for words, um, a, a name for this company. You know, my I, I thought Daniel's Home Maintenance was not did not define what we wanted to be. My last name is Felt, and Felt's Home Maintenance really sounded kind of weird. And and so <laughs> it was uh, I was searching for words that actually meant uh, to care for. Right, our goal is to come in and take care of your home. So what defines that? And I actually found a word called Cura. If you spell it C U R A. And that, if you translate in, in Italian, that means to care for. Well, the problem is there's a lot of companies who found that before I did. So I didn't want to, I didn't want people to be confused. Um, if you're, you know, 
searching on Google or if you, you know, kind of like, I think like that happens a lot of times with like roofing or plumbing companies, right? It's like, there's, it can be difficult to di- differentiate each other. And so I thought, could I spell it with a K, K-U-R-A? And I looked and Cura LLC was available. Uh, CuraHome.com was available and very symmetrical. I really loved how symmetrical CuraHome.com was. And so I, I decided to go with that. And I, I think what I really like is that people ask, what does it mean? And, and it means that we're, we're going to care, take care of your home for you. And, and that's what we do. Huh. What was the moment? I mean, when you, you're kind of looking at it, was it when you got a logo? Was it when you talked to somebody? What was the moment where you're like, yep, this is it. This is going to work. Yeah, I was talking to my buddy and I found another word from another language that meant to care for, but no one could pronounce it. He's like, I, he's like, and, and my, my friend, and I'm very lucky to be friends with him. He's, he's literally a rocket scientist. He's an aerospace engineer, super smart guy. And he's like, Dan, if I don't know, Daniel, I don't know what that means. No one knows. Right. So I'm like, you're right. And uh, he had, you know, humble brag there that he's super smart. So, um, so I remember saying this is going to work. So we started out with the name uh, Cura Home. And then we, then we did the logo afterwards and, um, the logo, my buddy who had a little bit of graphic design, we were sitting at my kitchen table and we, we made it work. So what do you think was the moment like after I'm sure there's a situation either with a client or with a new employee that you realize that you're on the right track and it felt it just was right. Yeah, I remember a um, very, very specific. Um, it, it was the very the first client that we signed on who did not know me. You know, they they didn't they didn't know who I was. Stranger. Yep, a complete stranger. And I came in. I you know came to their house, gave them an estimate, and said, "Here's what your price will be. We'll maintain your home for this price." And they signed on. And I remember I'm I'm super close to my mom still, even even all these years later. Good very regularly. <laughs> I remember calling her and I, and I said, mom, this is it. Like, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to make it like I'm made for I'm, this. Yep. I'm, this is what, this is fun. And I, I remember getting like a little high from that, like an endorphin of rush. Like, like this is, this is it. And, um, that felt really awesome that a complete stranger, you know, I, I came, you were introduced to me from, you know, word of mouth and they, they signed on without knowing me or my background. That was a really, really rewarding, um, feeling from there. That was Awesome. Wow. It just occurred to me that the reason that that felt so right to you, the reason it was such an inspiring moment to you and you got that chill up your spine, it's because they trusted you, that Mm -hmm. you were able to establish trust so quickly and so thoroughly that they were ready not only to have you in their home, but to have you in your home regularly and to pay you for that. Yes, most definitely. So you probably have, I'm just going to throw this out there, you probably have responsibility somewhere in your top 10, if not in your top five strengths, because to be trusted mm-hmm. is really critical to people with that in their top talents. And to establish it that quickly, just that's part of your identity. I'm yeah. a responsible person and they could see that in me. They knew it when they met me. For sure. That's, it's very, very important, important to me. That's like, you know, little things that like, show that like the little things that build that foundation of, of trustworthiness, right? Like the showing up on time and all those little things that they really build up are very, very important to me. Ah, so you must instill that in your employees. How many employees do you have now? Uh, right now we have about 20 employees and we're uh, located in uh, Minneapolis and, and Denver as well. So um, yeah, my employees, we, we actually, they sign a code of conduct 
And one of those, one of the items on there is says that we will always do what we say we're we're going. Well, we'll always do what we say we're going to do. We will never check a box or task that wasn't actually completed, and we will not take any shortcuts, no matter the time of the day or stress of the job. So they are agreeing that hey, like we're gonna we're gonna give people a hundred percent, no matter what. And one thing that I really try to instill with our team members here is that when you're at a client's home, I think it can be really easy to kind of like you know, be like, oh, it's just a job, right? But to kind of put a person behind that, and I say, we always want to treat uh, a customer as if it was our sister, our mom, or our grandma. And how would you want your grandma to be treated if you knew that she was getting this service done at her home? And if you treat that customer that day, uh, that way, you're you're going to be just fine. <laughs> That's great. I think about that a lot um, in my own actions. I think, well, if if my kids saw me do this, Mm-hmm. If my if my sister heard those words coming out of my mouth, would would that be okay with me? Right. And it, it definitely there are moments where I stop myself, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's not that's not in alignment with how I want to live my life and be perceived by others. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that personal brand thing is really important when you're representing yourself and your company. Yeah. So, what made you decide to open in Denver? Yeah, uh, we were growing quickly. And um, at the time, I thought that the owner operator locations would be, or, you know, corporate owned would be best. And um, I've now found out that franchising is, is, a, is a better route for us. But um, my, just to copy and paste, my brother had opened up a window cleaning location in Denver, and that was going well. And uh, Denver has very similar demographics and a very fast growing population um, compared to Minneapolis. So similar demographics, but faster growing population and um, easy to get to. If I had to get there, flights between Minneapolis and Denver, even though I've only gone there once um, Ah. since we opened it, but, um, you know, thankful for technology, right. To be able Mm -hmm. to, but um, we decided to open that just for, for those reasons. And, and it's been, it's been going well, it's not growing as quickly as Minneapolis did, but I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter how hard you try, when you're the owner, you know, you're always going to care the most, hopefully. Um, of course. Yeah. And so when I'm not there, you know, boots on the ground, I think it's it's a little different, but it is still growing and it's it's a, a very successful location for us. That's so cool. I have to ask, did you co-locate your office? Uh, no, we did not. We were just in, we're just in Plymouth. So we answer the phones here in on the West Metro of Minneapolis. Uh-huh. So we answer the phones here and we dispatch it to our uh, our team member there. We only have one guy there right now and he works out of his home. So he keeps the vehicle at his home and he goes goes out and does his jobs for the day. And and uh, it's it's almost like it, what's very interesting is you could he could be on the West Metro or, or East Metro of Minneapolis or in Colorado or California, wherever. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter because it's so simple with technology to to do that. But it is there is a. Um, it's unfortunate that there's, but it's good. There's so much power in face-to-face, you know, communication mm-hmm. and, and that trust right. that you talk about that when you're so far away, it's hard to build that with uh, your client base, but um, mm-hmm. it's, it can be done. It just takes a little longer. Yeah, absolutely. And I can highly recommend a visit to Denver. It's a beautiful city. And I've had one of my conferences there, my no longer virtual conference. And it's more of a summit as opposed to a conference. And my brother lives there. And I actually went to school in Fort Collins, just north of Denver. And I went to high school just south of Denver in Colorado Springs. So I would highly recommend going and just spending like a month there, just exploring. Yes, it is beautiful. I 
I don't know how many times I've been there throughout my personal life. Like I'm very adventurous. So skiing and mm-hmm. doing all the things. Um, can we spend a camping week camping there with our, my entire family? We, so I've been there many times, but for work, it's only been once, which has been very surprising. Mm, maybe it's time. Wow. Yeah. That's so great. So um, I just, I kind of want to bring this full circle about why, why you believe that getting the extra love made you successful and how are you paying that forward? What are you doing? Um, I, I am getting the impression that you're not married and have kids yet. So, um, but I could be totally wrong. I could have totally missed that too. Um, so what are you doing as a leader that is paying that forward? Yeah, for sure. I think um, to answer your first part of the question, what it's done for me is I, I think that as you, as you grow up and you get to know other people and I think it's very rare for someone to grow up in a home that they feel very confident. They were told they were loved every single day. They were, you know, motivated, encouraged, whether that be T-ball or whatever it be, you know, I was always really encouraged and motivated to do those things, but I was also disciplined at the same time. I didn't just get away with, with anything. My dad really, um, I remember being, having to run outside. I was about eight years old and we had to clock in. He had an old timesheet. It, it put a, an actual ink stamp on the time card that you had to punch in. And I remember you had to clock in by 8 a.m. That was, that was required. So I remember, you know, printing out there one summer morning, but it wasn't as bad as the sound. We, we had afternoons off, but from during the cool of the day, we, we worked from about eight to noon every day until my dad. Cause you're came. on a farm. Yep, exactly. So, um, so that was really great. So, but I was, I was, you know, that background and, and all those things, I gave me the confidence to be where I got to the point where, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to start my own company. And, you know, earlier, Sarah, you said, you might not realize how rare it is. It's so interesting in having conversations with team members and employees that you realize like barely anyone thinks the way I do. And, you know, everyone thinks, well, I'm normal, you know, everyone else is abnormal. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I think I do realize that I'm kind of crazy. I'm, I'm definitely abnormal, but um, I do have a family. I know I haven't brought it up yet. Um, I do have a wife and my son is almost two and we have one on the way due in August. And Yay. yeah, it's it's super fun. It's one of the most rewarding things for me. And one thing that I put in place as soon as I was uh, married is that I don't miss dinner with my family. And bringing that into you know place of growing up, I when you walk in the door, right, and your son comes running up and you're part of his life and doing all those things together, I just think it's it's super important to be there, be present, right? Like work is always going to be there. You can always answer an email later on. Like people, it's fine. You know, like you can take a break. And once he goes to bed, do I jump on and answer emails every once in a while at, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock? Sure. But it can always wait. So that ground rule for me, being home for dinner, that's that's one thing that is very important to me to be very present in my family and and be there to, you know, do your part. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that some clients get frustrated with that or other clients are, are like, well, yeah, of course, that's that's how life should be. Yeah, I, I have never had a single person be frustrated with me that I was not able to make it or be at a, a spot, right? Because every everything in our business, we're not a 911 call. We're not an emergency. Like if your furnace goes right. out, it's, it's, it's not, not calling you. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> right. call us. So, um, there have been times, I mean, I remember one time we, we drained water heater, water heater sediment for someone and they sent me a text at like eight 30 at night. And they're like, we don't have 
hot water. And I, and I got in my truck and I went to their house. So it was like out there at like nine o'clock and we figured out, we fixed it. And it wasn't even because of what we did. It just happened to be that we were there that same day and you know, the stars aligned. But so there, there are times where I have to go, but I never just casually work late. Like I don't just like, mm-hmm. Oh, I have stuff to do at the office. Like when I'm here, I, I get my stuff done. And that way when I'm at home, I can be very present. So I've never, I don't think I've ever lost out on a deal or lost a client or anything like that because I was having dinner with my family. And at the same, at the end of the day, if they don't share the same core values, you know, there's, there's so many millions of people in, in this world and billions, like there's, there's someone else that you could work with. That's exactly what I was thinking. I've had a coaching client be very demanding Mm -hmm. and there was a point where I just had to fire him. I was like, I'm, I can't keep taking your calls like this. It's disrupting my household and my life. And um, you don't seem to have any understanding of boundaries. And well, I'm paying you, but you yeah. know, you have to choose. You have to choose. And if, if it's not the right fit, it's not the right fit. So right. that's where I was going with that. I appreciate yeah. that. And yeah. then the last part of that question about leadership is how do you think that's translated? Because you, you're not two separate people at work and at home. You're still the same guy at work. So how does that love translate at work? How do you demonstrate that? Yeah, I think it's trying to really build up people to make, um, you know, help it be that Cure Home is a step up or a stepping stone to somewhere new. And I, um, I love, I hate that I love this story, but uh, we hired a a gentleman, this was years ago, and he started out like mid-teens as a, as a technician. This was, you know, five, six years ago and worked his way up until he was making, he was salaried a company car and, and this guy, no college degree or anything. He had a great job. And, and then he got offered a even better job. Like it was like, it was a job that was like, that is, that is awesome. I'm not even going to insult you with a counter offer because it was such a great, like had all the things like an insane 401k match. And, and we went out for lunch on one of his last days. And, and I, um, you know, we were talking and, and he said, Hey, I just want to say thank you. And I was like, for what? And he was like, when I started working here, I, I had no, idea that I could become what I, what I am. And he was an operations manager for me. He's like, I learned what customer service is. I, I understand, I now understand what consistency is. I understand all these things in the workplace. And, and he's at a spot as a very young man. I, I think he's like 25 and he's, he's making just a really incredible living at this new spot that um, where he was when he came in to where he is today is just super rewarding. So bringing people, you know, by your side and and walking together and and continuously training. We have a 45 day training program that is just on repeat every morning. Our technicians come at 7:20, and we have a 10 to 15 minute huddle, and we and we automatically cover at least one training subject. But then if there's any like a callback or a customer issue of any point, we cover that so it you know can stop happening immediately, and just continuously to build the character and the skills of the people around you. I think is really important and and. And I think too, another thing that's really important is when you're learning things is to be a mentor. I mentor two people that are younger than I am. We, we meet once a month and have talk about whatever they need to talk about to grow as, as professionals. And that is extremely rewarding just to see people grow and become better versions of themselves. I love it. That's a perfect answer because I can tell you that that is a direct um, application and implication for what you said about how you were raised and and being uh, people were so devoted to your happiness and your love and your success and 
Um, when you shower that on your employees, they know it, they see it, they feel it because you're welcoming their whole being and not just the part that goes to work. Yeah. And um, I have to put in a little plug for my friend Ahad Gadimi's book. It's called The Turnaround Artist. And um, it's about a restaurant that he turned around. It happened to be his father's restaurant. And um, it just, if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. The Turnaround Artist by Ahad Gadimi. And uh, I can't remember which episode I interviewed him on on my podcast, but it has a, a similar feel in that idea of recognizing individuals for who they are and what their potential is, and then allowing them and encouraging them to explore that potential. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Daniel, this has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad that um, your employee reached out to me and said, you should interview my boss. He's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That was great. Um, And if our uh, listeners want to get a hold of you or be in touch with you, are you on LinkedIn? What's the best way to do that? Yes, super active on, on LinkedIn. It is uh, Daniel Felt, or follow us on social media. It's at Kira Home on all the things. We're, we're even on TikTok. So we're doing all the things. Um, if you're interested in being part of Kira Home or owning a Kira Home franchise, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Kira with a K, not with a C, because Kira yeah. with a C is the Italian word for care for. That's, that's right. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. I love it. Daniel, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.